Oh, good morning. Welcome. Thanks, everybody, for, for braving the snow blizzard to be here this morning. Uh, uh, it's good to be here. Uh, first of all, before we get started, Happy New Year. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. Um, some of you uh, know this. Um, uh, Kathy and Lynn are in Texas. Um, they are taking a two-month snowbird sabbatical and um, was actually texting with them last night to make sure they made it, and they texted pictures of them in T-shirt and shorts, and I said, y'all got out of here just in time, <laughs> I promise you. So um, anyway, she'll, uh, she'll be back a, a couple times during this time. I'm, I've got to be gone for a couple of things once this month and once next month, and she said, I'm going to drive up and and so we will be seeing them again, but pray that they're safe and have uh, just a rejuvenating kind of experience, and we're praying that that goes well. So, so today, it's kind of ironic, but kind of not ironic, but well, it is ironic. It's 100% ironic. Every bit of it is ironic. And the ironic th- thing is, is um, today we're starting a new sermon series that we're going to be going through over the next couple of months. Um, last week, you might have heard about this, um, the theological world, uh, we lost who I consider one of the great theologians in the world today, somebody that I've quoted, somebody I've looked up to, the Archbishop Desmond Tutu passed away, um, I always loved his last name, and, and one of the things that I respected about the Archbishop Desmond Tutu is a what he's been through his story a man who lived in South America and through sort of nonviolent resistance um, helped change an apartheid with threats of death and and other seeing people die and he he just made he stuck to the faith I mean it's one of these people you admire um, and and so he the reason I'm telling you this he he passed away um, last week and I'm just. He's the inspiration for the next two months of the series that we've been working on since this summer. This is based on some of his teachings. I mean, the guy was brilliant. Here's one of his quotes that um, he, he has lots of quotes. He says, if you want peace, don't talk to your friends. Talk to your enemies. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, how many times do we gather with people that we agree with and talk about these other people that we disagree with? And he's like, whoa. If you want peace, don't don't sit around with people that agree with you. Go to those that don't. And then this is this is one of my favorite quotes. He said, "Don't raise your voice, improve your argument. <laughs> don't raise your voice, improve your argument." He's one of the people too that says, "You know, if you're in a heated argument with somebody else, it's usually because you're trying to convince yourself you're right." But one of the things that that, that I admire most about this man is of all that he's been through, the heartache, the pain, loss, death, you are not going to find a happier, funnier person. He takes the gospel seriously. He takes the message of Jesus of loving everybody. He does not see borders. He does not see boundaries. He does not see everybody. And while he takes that seriously, everything else he doesn't as much. There, there, there was a video in which he was being interviewed. Now, this, this guy was interviewing the famous Archbishop 
Desmond Tutu. <clears throat> and the guy that was interviewed made a mistake and let our bishop get off the subject. This is the end of the interview. I hope we have sound with this. Anyway, it's been, it's been great uh, to have you both here. Uh, you, must, uh, you must watch your health. Thank you very much. I am just trying to find out, uh, are you married? Uh, well, no, I'm not, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not really I'm, interested. If, uh, I'm, 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 I'm interested because you, you are so handsome. How many, how many girlfriends have you got? Actually, I think two of you. <laughs> he had he had asked for that. <laughs> my life, I think my life will change completely. <laughs> you you invite me uh, to the wedding. <laughs> so you've got this famous archbishop, and he starts giving the guy business about his love life. <laughs> You got girl, how many girlfriends you got? I mean, and he just can't stop laughing. And if you've ever seen any interview that he's done, if he gets if he gets tickled, it's just nothing but laughter. And he's just this bundle of joy. The Archbishop has done several writings on this topic of joy. And if you look at him, you would say this is a dude that is connected to life. This is a dude who, the situations around, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Um, several months ago, myself and some other pastors, we did a Zoom call with a, a psychologist who was basically telling uh, about the COVID effect that we have, that people are more depressed, people are more lonely, people are more isolated, that the joy in life is not there. Now, the difference between joy and happiness is happiness is based off of external situation. Happiness is based off of the, the, the five senses, things you can touch, taste, smell. How many, of you ever, how many of you had a good Christmas dinner? How many of you, when you get to smelling it, it made you happy? And you got to eating it and it made you happy. And then you got bloated and you weren't so happy. Right? Happiness is dependent on the stock market. Happiness is dependent on your bank account. Happiness is these things. Joy is this indestructible gift that's available to each and every one of us that is not dependent on any external situation. It's something that the archbishop came in contact with in the middle of people around him dying, people around him being persecuted, but he had this joy. And so what we're going to do is, I don't know about you, but that's what I want to tap into. And that's what's available to us. We thought, 2022, we're going to kick off living with joy. And what we're going to do each week is, through some of the archbishop's teachings, he has laid out seven things that if we tend to, we, we tend to these things, we can enter and wade and live in a position of joy. So it's, it's not just something we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about some of his teachings and bring Jesus' teachings into it. And then each week we're going to have a practical thing that we can start doing, that we can be attentive to, that we can be aware of, so that we can live this life 
of joy. And one of the fundamental foundations of joy is a healthy perspective. The perspective that we have in life has everything to do with our demeanor. If we look and our perspective when we wake up each day is things are going to be bad. Things aren't going to go our way. Things are no, guess what we're going to see? Yeah, we see and experience what we look for. So the first thing when it comes to living a life of joy is what is our perspective? What is our view? What do we see? What are we looking for? What, because what we see, we will find. Now, there's three things I want to lay out just very briefly this morning that I think will help us have one of the foundations for joy, which is we're going to keep coming back in, which is a healthy perspective on life. Don't know about you, but many times my perspective is negative, pessimistic. That's not going to work. And because of that, the joy is not there. First thing, when it comes to perspective, is having a healthy perspective psychologically. The, 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 they call it a, a psychological awareness, a psychological health, positive psychology, the mental thing. Everything is positive, positive, positive. There was a man in the Bible named Paul. Perhaps you've heard of this man named Paul. Now, Paul took it upon himself. He found this man named Jesus. He became a follower of Jesus. And he spent his entire life traveling and going around to all people in all situations and bringing the good news to people. Now, there's, there's a book, uh, Letters, 2 Corinthians. What people say is there's a 3 Corinthians out there somewhere. But in 2 Corinthians, he tells the people... A little bit about what he has gone through since he started following Jesus, right? right? He started following Jesus. Now, our perception is you start following Jesus, it's all rainbows and unicorns, <laughs> right? You start following Jesus and you're not going to have any problem. Some people say that's the perspective. Once you follow Jesus, then you're good. Paul would disagree with this. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 25, this is Paul talking, this is what happened to him after he decided to follow Jesus. Three times I was beaten with rods. Anybody ever been beat with a rod? I mean, they're like, not since I was a kid. Once I received a stoning. Now that's where they throw big rocks at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so three times I was beaten with rods. Then, then, then there was the one place in these groups they picked up rocks and they tried to, they tried to bludgeon me to death with rocks. Um, uh, three times I was shipwrecked. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're getting on a boat and Paul's on there, take the next boat. On one of those, for a night and a day, I was adrift at sea. So he was on a piece of driftwood just, just rolling around. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, I've been in danger for bandits, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters, 
In toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, I've been hungry, I've been thirsty, without food, cold, and naked. How's this following Jesus thing going for you, Paul? <laughs> right? How's it going for you? How many of you would be like, I think I'm going to do something else. <laughs> right? If you, ever, if, you show, if you start doing something and you get beat with rods or people pick up rocks or, or you're getting shipwrecked or you're hungry and you're thirsty, I mean, how many of you are like, all right, let's, let's try something else. And I'm under daily pressure. Anybody here relate to that? Anybody? Daily pressure because of my anxiety. Paul has anxiety for all churches. Who is weak? And I'm not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I am not diligent. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God, the Father, of the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be he forever. Know that I do not lie. I'm going through all of these things, all these physical things that people say, oh, that's bad and that's terrible. But I am blessed. I am blessed by God the Father, Jesus Christ. How is Paul's positive psychological perspective. Paul says, oh yeah, all these things, that's fine. But my view and my perspective is I am blessed. How many of us, how many of you, if people try to throw rocks at you and kill you, if you're shipwrecked, how many of you would be like blessed or cursed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I can just have a bad moment and all of a sudden, why is life against me? Let's take that to Paul. Paul, <laughs> you, ever, you ever felt like life was against you? None. I'm blessed. Life is good. The positive perspective has everything in dealing with the life around you. Um, there was a lady, her name was Edith Egger. She lived during World War II, and she tells the story of she went to a hospital, and there at the hospital, she met um, two men that both ha had been attacked and both had lost their legs. There's two men that had both lost their legs. She tells the story. She went, and she visited the one man, and he was, he was in bed, and he was, he was curled up in a fetal position, and just, my life is over. Life stinks. She found the other man. He was in a wheelchair, rolling around, smiling, laughing. God's gave me a second chance. There must be something that I'm supposed to be doing. Look at the opportunity I have. Two different perspectives in life. Viktor Frankl, he was in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. Concentration camp, torture, pain, imprisonment. And he says this. He says, our perspective toward life is our final and ultimate freedom. We talk about being free. What is freedom? Freedom is the perspective that you view life with. 
the question, are we happy? Are we experiencing this unconditional, blessed joy that God has for us? The first question is, well, what are you looking for? How do you view your life? Is it positive? Wake up and today's going to be a great day or is it another day? And uh, yeah, has everything to do how we experience the joy of life. It's very simple for us to wake up in the morning. God, today's going to be a good day. Is going to impact that day. Also, there's there's a thing called um, it's the God's eye perspective. Anybody ever heard of the God's eye perspective? And that is the acknowledgement. Paul talks about this in First uh, Corinthians um, when when he says in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I'm only a part. Then I will know fully, even as I was fully known. Now, that's a famous scripture where Paul says, right now, right now, my perspective is very limited. When I'm in a situation, many times the way I see things is kind of like looking through a dim mirror. But what I'm acknowledging is God and God's eye and God's view is a bigger perspective than what I can see here. And part of us moving forward as followers of Jesus is to learn to trust that God's eye perspective. Case in point, there's a story in the Bible. The disciples are on a boat. Okay, Jesus is on the boat too, but Jesus took too much Dramamine or something because he's asleep. Jesus is asleep in the boat. And the Bible says a storm came about, right? Now, Paul's like, I know all about that. Been there, done that. But but the disciples didn't know Paul, but and the storm came out, and the disciples started what? Started flipping out. Oh my goodness, there's a storm. It's a boat. We don't want to be floating all day and night. And so they go and they wake up Jesus. <laughs> like, dude, you you're gonna do something? <laughs> and so Jesus gets up and he calms the storm. And then he gets on to the disciples. He gets on to them. He says, You of little faith. And I think what Jesus was saying to him is, you really think I was going to sleep while something bad happened? You, did you really not think I had this? It's, it, you, was your, your perspective was around this storm and you didn't trust that I could see more and I was going to take care of the situation. Many times when we get into a perspective, we are consumed by what we can see, not what we can't see. And part of the invitation, part of the invitation of Jesus, part of the invitation of God is to come into a perspective and to where, okay, we can't see everything that's going on, but I'm going to rest easy knowing that you have got this storm. How much joy in life would it be if we could come to believe and know it's going to be fine? I want to say that again. How much joy in life if we come to trust God that this will be fine. This storm will pass. And instead of me freaking out in the storm, you've got this, I will be fine. So the perspective that God sees more than we do, God understands more than we do. Um, there, there was um, um, a mission in the late 1960s that landed on the moon. It was called Apollo 11. Anybody ever heard of Apollo 11? Yeah, okay, sure, yeah. So we went to the moon, we landed on the moon. Now, 
there was Apollo 11 because there was Apollo what? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. They didn't just shoot one up there and say, land on the moon, we'll see you when you get back. They did a lot of practice runs. As a matter of fact, Apollo 8 was the first to circle the moon. Before they landed on the moon, they said, let's see if we can make it around there and get home, and then we'll stop. And so the Apollo 8 mission was the first one to go around the moon, and they did it several times. And this is a photo. It's one of the most famous photos that there is. This was the first time that anybody in humanity had ever circled the moon and come and saw the earth from this perspective. It's the worldview perspective, what some people call it. And what has happened with the astronauts that saw this, and every one of them says the same thing, that their perspective, their perspective changed. Because what they saw is the earth is this place that is tough. I mean, it's, we've had bombs go off, we've had war, and it's, but they said from there, it looks very fragile. And this atmosphere that kind of encompasses the entire earth that they have to pass through to get in and out is about as thick as a piece of paper. And they said, by viewing this, you can't see borders, you can't see lines, you can't see countries. All of a sudden, humanity is not divided by the things that we divide with, but humanity is one group of people. And what people come back from this sort of perspective with the perspective of somehow we are all connected more than we are not. And I would say this, and we talked about this in our Sunday school class this morning, this whole perspective that we have in our society is to take care of number one, right? We live in a society, you pick yourself up by the bootstraps, you take care of you, and, and, and that's great, and that's what we live in, but that's not the Jesus message, the Jesus message is the perspective of it's not about me, but the Jesus perspective that is healthy and bring life is when we view that it's about we. Desmond Tutu says this. I think this is the, is this the next quote we have? Okay. Well, what's, yes, here's what he says. My humanity is bound up in yours. People can only be human together. And then he says this. We need other human beings in order to be human. All of us need each other. At the very beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And what did God say? Let what? Let us create in our image. At the very beginning, there was community and the perspective of community. Jesus, he came out and he said, hey, just want to FYI, let you guys know. Where two or more are gathered, I'll be there. Did he say we're one of you? No, why, why did he say two or more? Because there's something about the perspective of all of us being connected with each other. And what we do 
is when we see things like us versus them. I versus we. This language creates barriers. It creates walls. It creates separations. It creates wars. It creates political parties. It creates all sorts of divisiveness. Um, one psychologist said this. When it comes to I and I, he's a psychologist that deals with health. He said, people who frequently use I, me, or mine have a higher risk of having a heart attack and a higher risk that that heart attack is fatal. People whose perspectives in life is all about me, my, mine, and how can I get ahead have a higher risk of heart attack. And if you have a heart attack, these individualistic people, that heart attack is high risk to be fatal. He, he, often, he also goes on and says, is that the indicators of this, this individualistic, are higher indicators than high cholesterol and high blood pressure. Also, he goes on to say, these same people who have this idea of that it's about me and the perspective of life is about me and how can I get ahead and how can I move forward and it doesn't matter what everybody else are lonelier and are more depressed than the rest of humanity who think of the world in perspective in terms of we. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? How the perspective of living a life, the decisions that I make, are not necessarily based on what's best for Dewan. But the perspective, the decisions I make, what's best for you? What's best for those around me? What's, what's best for all of us? I mean, I don't know about you. We've been living in a pandemic for a couple of years. And part of the things that we've been trying to, okay, is I've, to put my, my personal stuff and what's best for everybody. It's not just about me. It's about us. And the whole perspective. And there's joy in perspective. Now, here's the thing with perspective that's really, really difficult and really, really hard to do. I get caught up many times in the perspective that is ultimately wrong. How many of you have ever been in a discussion, conversation with somebody? And you left it. And you're like, oh, why did I say that? Am I the only one that's ever put my foot in my mouth? Okay, uh, yeah, okay, no, yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, and my perspective is I've offended, I've hurt, I said something I shouldn't have said, and it just eats, that's my perspective. And then you talk to that person, and they're like, what? What do you mean? No, 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 your perspective was all what? It was all wrong. How many times has it been wrong? And it sucked the joy out of each one of us. Or we're stuck in a perspective and we fail to be nimble enough to see a new perspective. For example, this is a Bible. If I were to ask you, is this Bible flat? What would you say? Crickets. It's not a hard question. Is the Bible flat? Sure. Now, if I change it this way and I change your perspective, is this Bible flat? Not right now. It's not. And the invitation of God, Jesus, is, is to come along. And Paul prays this a lot. God, may the eyes of my heart be what? Open. 
After Jesus dies, he's resurrected. One of the most powerful stories we have. We love the resurrection story. It was Jesus rises from the dead. And one of his closest disciples, a woman, she doesn't recognize him, does she? Remember? They're in the garden, and she thinks he's the gardener. And she's talking to him, and, and, and she's like, you don't know what's going on? Dude, Jesus died, and, and she's talking to Jesus, and she doesn't recognize him. And then it says that eventually this happened to her. In the Gospel of Luke, I think it's one more before that. Then their eyes were opened, and then they recognized him. And some people will say what, what happened was the eyes were opening was they looked at things from a different perspective. John the Baptist comes about and he starts proclaiming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, and you're, it's, you're going to have to repent. You're gonna ha- you have to repent. And we've talked about that the word repent is a compound word, which means changing of your mind. If you're, going, if you're going to get on board and follow this Jesus, you're going to have to be open to different perspectives and different views. Did they see Jesus and recognize Jesus when they didn't before because Jesus changed or they changed? Because they were looking for the perspective, this is just a gardener. But when they changed, and oh, this might be the risen Savior, then they were able to see things correctly. Maybe as we go through life, we should try to look at things through different perspectives, at least three different perspectives. This is one of the things that challenges us. Before we go and wait into it, maybe it's, we see things through three different, maybe they didn't really mean that the way that we took it. Right? Maybe they didn't really mean, maybe there's something else going here. That person was very, very rude. That offended me. Maybe they're dealing with something I don't know about. Maybe there's something going on in their life that, that has nothing to do with me. Which brings me to road rage. You want to see my joy sucked out like a balloon deflated, cut me off in traffic, pull out in front of me. Boy, that, that takes my joy and my sunshine away. Road rage. I'm just confessing, if you're perfect, you can preach next Sunday. What if that person that pulled out in front of me, what if it was my 90-year-old grandmother? Do I honk the horn? No, not me. <laughs> I say, come on, Granny, I, I'm going to wait on you, but you, you pull on out. What if it's somebody else's 90-year-old grandmother? What if I looked at it this way? What if somebody pulled out in front of me, and it might be someone who's like, I don't know about you, but, but we've had situations, all of us have situations where parents get old and you have to take the keys away. It'll happen to all of us, eventually. But, but what if this is that person that's struggling? Maybe I'm going to have a little more patience with them. I've got a 16-year-old driver. What if it's a 16-year-old who's learning to maneuver and navigate and they pull out in front of me and make a mistake. And I just blow down on the horn and I start yelling and screaming. Or, or maybe it's like, I wouldn't want anybody to do that to my 16-year-old driver. You see how the perspectives change. What if that person, I'm, I'm driving on the balcony and they just fly by me. Boy, that burns me up. What if they're on the way to the hospital? 
because they have a loved one that's just been in a terrible accident. Well, you, you see how the perspectives change when you begin to view things differently. And the invitation to Jesus is this place of joy, and it starts with a healthy perspective every day. Every day, man, we wake up, and we wake up at this, this positive, today's going to be a good day. Today's going to be awesome. God, we know that you're in that. And that I can't control, my perspective is going to be that, God, you're going to be in charge of it. And I trust you to handle this whole thing because there's some things that I cannot see. And let me be mindful in the perspective of the decisions I make don't just simply revolve around me, but they revolve around we. And how does this affect all people in all places in all time. Are we living a joyful life? I struggle. I think we all do. And we start with, what are we looking for? What are we perceiving? How how do we view the situation? And we start bringing other people and other people's views and other people's, then all of a sudden it changes our view as well. Jesus was preaching a sermon on the mount and he was teaching them how to pray. And he started off by saying, when you pray, pray this way. My Father, who art in heaven, or no, our Father, who art in heaven. Jesus says it's it's, it's all of us. And when we try to go at it alone, and that's our perspective that we're going to have to do it, it's going to be miserable. And and we're going to fail. But the invitation to Jesus is a repentance. Change your perspective. Well, you know, this happened yesterday, so it's going to happen this day. Jesus, I challenge that. Let's look at things differently. Yeah. Our attitude will always determine our perspective. Maybe it's negative. Maybe it's pessimistic. And the invitation is to change it positive. So every day, this week, let's try waking up. God, today is going to be a great day. Today, good things. Today, help me to see you in all situations. And it's going to be good. And it's going to be great. And what we're going to find happen is the joy and the life is going to be there because of our perspective of positivity. And there's abundant life in that. Let's pray. God, many times we are selfish. Many times we might make life about us. And you invite us into this greater thing. You call it the body. You call it the church. You call it your people to where we come together and we live as one. And, and our perspective is one of life and resurrection and great things. And, and many times we, we look at life and we're so negative and we are pessimistic and You invite us to a different perspective, a holy perspective that is full of wonder and awe. And and, and we're not defined by what has happened, but we are defined by something that's brand new every day. So God, forgive us for the times that we fail and help us to learn so that we can live this abundant life that you have available for us right here, right now. In the resurrected name of Jesus, we all said, Amen. Let's.